before we press deeper into the purposes of the morning, I just want to take a moment to say how grateful I am for all of you in the way that you have comported yourselves and held yourselves, and we've kept together over the last 15 months. It's been 15 months nearly to the day that COVID began wreaking its crazy on our lives, and by and large, mostly consistently, you have looked to me an awful lot with, like what the Apostle Paul thought we might look like, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm just really grateful. So to celebrate, I asked a few college students uh, to help me this morning. Uh, Grace and Ellie and Abby, they normally sit in the very back pew of the Pillar Sanctuary, but have quickly moved their way into the center of my life, mostly because my youngest daughter, Ava, they just love her. Admittedly, she's very easy to love, but they love her well, so I love them. They're going to read for us from Christians past reflecting on the nature of the church. First Grace is going to read from a not-so-little book written by St. Augustine titled The City of God. The church even now is the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of heaven. Accordingly, even now his saints reign with him, though otherwise than as they shall reign hereafter. I love that. The church, even now, is the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of heaven. And then this from Martin Luther King Jr. Ellie's going to read it for us. The church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state, but never its tool. Neither master nor servant nor tool, but conscience. And just because I'm having fun, this from a Spanish man named Guido de Bray in the 16th century wrote a little paper that's now become called the Belgic Confession. We believe and confess one single Catholic or universal church, a holy congregation and gathering of true Christian believers, awaiting their entire salvation in Jesus Christ, being washed by his blood and sanctified and sealed by the Holy Spirit. I want to be a part of that church, a holy gathering, awaiting our entire salvation, washed, sanctified, sealed. Let's go, church. So listen with me to a letter written to the church, dictated by Christ himself, penned by St. John, recorded in the book of Revelation, and then sent to a Christian community in a town called Sardis, offered to them then, meant for us now. Here's a picture of the ruins of Sardis, just to give you a little of the context from the book of Revelation. I, John, your brother, who share with you in the persecution and the kingdom and the patient endurance was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. 
I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard a loud voice like a trumpet behind me say, write down what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, dressed in a long robe with a golden sash across his chest, his head and his hair were white as white wool, white as snow, his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined as in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. Out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face shone like the sun at full force. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he reached out his right hand to me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead and now I am alive and I live forever and ever and I have the keys to death and to Hades. Write what you see, what is and what is to take place after this. As for the seven stars in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The seven golden lampstands are the seven churches. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a name for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains in as on the point of death, for I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember then what you've received and heard. Hold fast to it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come to you like a thief and no one knows at what hour I will come to you. There are a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes who will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. If you conquer... I will clothe you like them in white robes and I will not blot your name out of the book of life but will confess your name before the Father and his angels. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Revelation 1, verses 9 through 20 and then chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 if you wanted to find it in a Bible with me. Hit pause now but come back. I want to find with you a concerning juxtaposition and then a single command that ought to stir our appetite for the table. A concerning juxtaposition. It's Revelation 3, verse 1. I know your works. You have a name for being alive, but you're dead. Alive, but dead. Alive, but dead. A concerning juxtaposition to offer of the church You have a name for being alive but are dead. The believers in Sardis had developed a disjointed life from their exterior expression and their interior life. They had been going to church. They had been doing the things. They had been showing up and wearing the right clothes at the right time and even active in life, but it had been become disconnected from the animating and energizing reality of the church, namely the living God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. You have a name for being alive, but you're dead. On Tuesday this past week, some guys from Pillar gathered in the gathering space to engage in conversation with my friend Wynn Collier, who wrote the biography on Eugene Peterson, A Burning in My Bones. I highly recommend it. We were there, you guessed it, to talk about Eugene Peterson. 
we called it contemplative leadership. Wynn, in our conversation, offered this about the contemplative life. If there's a single word that identifies the contemplative life, it is congruence. Congruence between ends and means. Congruence between what we do and the way we do it. When exterior expression is matched by interior life, congruence, Win is urging for, Eugene was suggesting, and Jesus Christ is calling for congruence. You have a name for being alive. Otherwise, you have a name for being alive, but you're dead. If I can just hit pause for a second, it has been an absolutely remarkable 15 months. Uh, Pastors are dropping like flies. Therapists' job security have never been higher. How many superintendents in our area alone left their jobs this year. Who wants to be a superintendent in a world pandemic? All of our, so many of our at least, daily activities were put on pause, eliminated or at least diminished. Schools went online. Churches did too. Sporting events were canceled. If Remember the dance we'd do? You'd walk down the sidewalk and if a, a, a pedestrian passerby came your way, you'd do like the, the circle dance. One of you would go that way and the other one would go this way because maybe, just maybe, that was the one who carried the, or maybe it was you and no one wanted to be the source of the outbreak. My daughter Lydia was quarantined six times. All of our, so many of our activities paused, ceased, eliminated, ended. And if you were paying, I'm not critiquing our actions. I'm not, I'm not, this is not a cultural critique of the last year. It's just an invitation to be aware. When all of the action of our lives was ceased, we were forced to deal with an interior life. Some of us didn't. Some of us just binge watched or binge drank, but a couple of us were invited to pay attention to interiority. Congruence. When the busyness of our days gives way to the quiet of the night. Is there life with God revealed in Jesus Christ? You have a na- Otherwise, you have a name for being alive, but you're dead. Some people in church circles are calling it the changing scorecard. It used to be, maybe it will be again one day, I don't know, it used to be vibrancy and vitality and the health of a religious establishment was determined by how many people showed up. How many people were there? Well, how many people were there wasn't really a defining metric in a world pandemic. But bigger is better, right? That's what we always assumed. It used to be location, location, location was the business mantra. Now it's attention, attention, attention. But we couldn't attend any of these things. The changing scorecard, no longer how many people were there. But what about congruence when our exterior actions and our interior life hold hands? Otherwise, you have a name for being alive, but you're dead. What I'm inviting you to do now is take inventory of your life. All of us can show up. Any of us can do the thing. We can all mask our way through life and make it look good. But if, if not from a deep interior life, well, then, like Sardis. Uh, I have a friend, friend Fred Feldman, Uh, spends half the year down south and then half the year up here, and when he's down south, he writes me letters, like postage-stamped letters, little notes in envelopes, usually uh, with 
an article he's read, I'm assuming in the Wall Street Journal, he actually reads the newspaper. This, he sent me this a couple of weeks ago, maybe months. It was written by a Jewish rabbi in the Wall Street Journal. A recent Gallup poll included some grim news, says the rabbi. Less than 50% of Americans belong to a religious community such as a church or a synagogue, the lowest since the organization began asking the question in 1937. And he goes on to say what so many have been saying, it's the end of organized religion. It's the death of organized religion. But he takes a different tact. He, the, the rabbi wonders, the new Gallup survey should be read not as an obituary, but an opportunity. Religion is ripe for disruption. Nimble individuals and organizations have a chance to create communities of faith every bit as vibrant and meaningful as those that once huddled in brick-and-mortar buildings. Now, here's, here's the point. How this is to be done is perhaps the most important question for American civic life in the coming decades. How this is to be done is perhaps the most important question for American civic life in the coming decades. And let me just offer maybe how this is to be done is congruence. When our exterior expression is met and matched by an interior life, no longer just following the rules, no longer going through the motions, but rather a deep interior life with God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. I'm not asking for some sort of monastic privatized religion where you avoid the world and hide out in your homes, but rather let's serve the city, let's love our neighbors, but done in such a way that we have a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. I am the vine, he says, you are the branches, abide in me and you'll bear fruit. Otherwise, you have a name for being alive, but you're dead. But that wouldn't happen here. That's just Sardis. That wouldn't happen now. It's a concerning juxtaposition. And now a single command. It's chapter 3, verse 2. The response to the concern is the call, wake up. Wake up. Jesus says, I love it. Wake up. Uh, remember the movie, What About Bob? The 90s had the best comedies. What About Bob? Bill Murray played this sort of manic, schizophrenic uh, Bob Wiley who met a therapist, Leo Marvin, and how, how it worked, I don't have time to tell, but Bob sort of wiggled his way into Leo Marvin's family's life and ended up with his therapist on his family vacation out at the lake, Lake Winnipesaukee, staying at the Marvin's house. The family loved it. The therapist was losing his mind. So one morning, tried to wake him up. Here's the scene. Six o'clock, Bob. Time to wake up. Come on, let's go. Come on, Bob. Get up. Bob. Come on, Bob. Bob, rise and shine. Come on. Bob. Come on, Bob, get up. Bob. Bob! 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 Get up! Come on! Come on, it's six o'clock. Rise and shine, rise and shine. And to go get the car right now. Come on, Bob. Come on. Bob. 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 Bob! Cock-a-doodle-doo! Bob! Bob! Oh! I think that's hilarious. Cock 
Chick-a-doodle-doo, now not a therapist trying to bounce you out of bed or even an alarm clock trying to rouse you for the day, but rather Jesus Christ himself saying, wake up, wake up. The, every letter of the seven letters in Revelation, the seven letters to the seven churches, includes a commendation, a way of saying, well done, team, good work, except Sardis. Sardis is the only one that doesn't get the commendation unless you're willing to see wake up as a commendation. I'm thinking the Song of Solomon, the love story in the Bible. Arise, my love, come away with me. Maybe Jesus is inviting us to wake up, to come away with me. And and the way to wake up is, as the letter continues, remember then what you've received and heard. Hold fast to it and repent. Remember what you've received and heard, and what you've received and heard is the good news of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, and its consequences on our lives. Jesus is the animating center of the church. He's the animating reality of your life. He's the fulcrum of history, Jesus Christ. I love to say this with you. Left the eternal communion of Father and Spirit, entered into the finite realities of creatureliness, took on what we are so that we can become like he is. He entered into suffering so no one has to suffer alone. He he took on death to defeat death and went to the grave to give it what it deserves, only to come up in resurrection, full, whole life, restored life, and we follow in his wake, alive, vibrant, vital, whole, not just for eternity, but here now too. Wake up. Kenda Creasy Dean, in a book titled Almost Christian, critiques American Christianity with these words. She refers to the church in America, this is awful, please let it not be true of us, as moralistic, therapeutic deists. Moralistic, just be nice. Therapeutic, feel good about yourself. Deist, believe in something, which is an embarrassing description of the Christian church. She offers, among other things, to stem the tide of moralistic therapeutic deism, what she calls Jesus talk. We've stopped talking about Jesus. We talk about issues. We talk about isms, and they're important. We should address them. But if removed from Jesus himself, an animated worldview around Jesus himself, you will find yourself in a corner you can't get out of. But we can't talk about Jesus if we don't think about Jesus. Wake up. We can't talk about Jesus if we don't think about Jesus. If we're not with Jesus, wake up. Wake up. Reminds me of the words from C.S. Lewis in the book Mere Christianity. A person who's changed from having bios, biological life, to having zoe, vibrant life, would have gone through as big a change as a statue which changed from being a carved stone to being a real human. And that is precisely what Christianity is about. The world is a great sculptor shop. We are the statues, and there's a rumor going around the shop that some of us are someday going to come to life. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. On Thursday this past week, uh, some of us gathered to grieve the death and celebrate the life of Harry Kaninenbelt. Harry and his wife Diane just became members of Pillar not even a month ago, which just as an aside, it's hard to enter any community and find 
immediate connection, but when you lose one you love, you need connection. So Pillar, I need you to do for Diane what you do. Your name is known, your story's heard, your questions are honored. Harry, actually I knew Harry when I was just a little guy. He, he, he was, Harry was never a glass half full guy. He was a glass full full guy. He was vibrant and dynamic. He never met a stranger. Full of life and faith. He was just a beautiful human. When they, when they started coming to Pillar just a few months ago, he would sit kind of off to my left and listen so attentively. It was as if he wanted to stand up and preach the sermon for me, or maybe he was just begging me to keep on preaching. I had to discipline myself not to stare at Harry the whole time he was listening so well. He's not here anymore, so someone else has got to listen well. When he was 46, he had a heart attack. 46. That led to decades of heart challenges before he had a heart transplant 10 years ago. Then was diagnosed with cancer. They thought they beat it, but cancer does what cancer always tries to do, and it came back, so he had a second bout with cancer, all of it, chemo and treatments, long days and nauseous nights, and then most recently, covid And all the COVID and all of it was just more than his body could take. So last Sunday morning while we were gathering to worship Harry with his beloved wife, Diane, Harry was breathing his last. At his memorial service on Thursday, Diane shared a story about Harry. Uh, Whenever he would listen to the radio, the uh, radio is this thing that plays music and uh, sometimes there's advertisements and sometimes people talk. He, he, he would, he would, when the song, Who You Say I Am, came on, he would turn it up and he would sing loud. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but you brought me in, oh, your love. He would just belt it out. And if he wasn't driving, I'm imagining he would raise his hands. Diane, at the funeral on Thursday, invited us to join Harry and singing Who You Say I Am. It's a song about Jesus. It's a song about Jesus and what he's done and what he's accomplished and the consequences of his life on our lives. And I don't know what your practices online are with singing, but I, I mean, I'm, you know, no one else is going to know. I, I, just stand up. Sing it loud. The ensemble is going to lead us. You can even raise your hands. An invitation to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.